Welcome to the Eco Echo, the podcast where we talk about environmental and sustainable issues. I'm Saskia Massam. I'm Dylan Hayward. And I'm Edward Smith. In this episode, we will be talking about recycling. Every day, we are waking up to the threat of plastic pollution. On the television, we are bombarded with adverts telling us to recycle. But why is it so important and what happens during the process? Recycling is the process of breaking down and reusing materials that would otherwise be thrown away. Recycling not only protects the environment, it reduces the need for extracting, mining, quarrying and logging. Recycling has many benefits. It saves energy and reduces greenhouse gas emissions, in which helps to tackle climate change. But Dylan, why do we recycle? So, as you've said, recycling is really great. But I'll show you what the problem is. So, right now, I'm going onto the desk. And I've got two bags here to highlight the problem. And I'd like, Ed, I'd like you to look at one. And Saskia, I'd like you to look at one. And I'd like you to, as you look at it, I want you to read off, you know, what's in the see-through bag. And I want you to tell me what you think is recyclable, what's not, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so they are just beginning to open their bags. You don't have to open them if you want, um, but everything in them is clean. So, Saskia, what can you see right now in that bag? Um, so I can see a face mask, uh, two face masks, um, tissues, mm-hmm. a bit of cards. Ed? I can see, I can see a plastic bag inside the plastic bag. I can see a crisp wrapper. I can see three post-it notes stuck together. I can see a plastic fork. I can see uh, a plastic, looks like the top of a plastic bag, the sort of stuff that you'd pull open. Two receipts, a bit of tin foil, and a plastic bottle cap. Saskia, what else have you found? A uh, plastic wrapper and uh, some more bits of card. I would say that the items I've got here, they're not recyclable in my household, with the exception of the receipts and the post-it notes. Saskia? No, I think I agree with Ed. So do you Um, think... Some of these aren't. Is there anything in yours that you would put... Would you put any of that in your household recycling? Um, no, probably not. Ed? Um, no, again, with the exception, receipts and post-it notes. So, right there, you have got a post-it note, Ed, yeah? Yeah. Now, in Birmingham and in Wolverhampton and Sandwell, they ask you not to put post-it notes in. Those post-it notes are 3M post-it notes. They are actually recyclable. The manufacturer has made them recyclable. But... Even though they've been through extensive tests, the adhesive means that it's hard to, you know, remove the glue from the back of the post-it note. And therefore, if you put that in your recycling, it would just go to landfill, that would. That would just get incinerated. Hmm. Saskia, anything in yours? Again, or do you think... No, I don't think any of this would be. Okay. Everything you've got, you can't put in your household recycling. Everything. Now, most of it is recyclable. But because of contamination, it's actually not recyclable. That's the problem. That is a big problem. So, you know, we all try and do a good thing. 
And Saskia, you've got um, a cat treat packet there, Dreamies, haven't you? Yeah. Now, on the back of that, there's a recycle symbol. What looks like one. Yeah. That actually isn't a recycle symbol. That just means reuse, you know, try to make yeah. it good. That is not recyclable. A lot of what we put in our bins isn't actually recyclable. For example, the till receipts. Because they're printed on shiny thermal paper, they're coated with a substance um, called bispinol. And th- them chemicals are extremely harmful if they're released into the environment or ingested. So all of this here isn't recyclable in your household collections. If that goes to your household recycling centre hmm. and lots of other households do the exact same thing and add some stuff that isn't actually recyclable, they might not have washed their baked beans can, hmm. meaning it's not clean. If if so much of that sample includes materials that are mixed plastics, are dirty, some of it doesn't necessarily get sorted. They don't go, oh, that's paper, that can still be recycled. That's a bit of plastic. That, 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 that can't be. They don't do that. If so much of it is contaminated, the whole lot will get binned. Hmm. That's a massive problem. So it's, it's effectively like a problem with that while we do have the means to recycle a great many things in, of the components that we've got here, when they're put together, when they mm-hmm. contaminate one another, it reduces our ability to cope with it. So that's the thing as well. They're not recyclable in your household recycling centre, but every single products you have can actually be recycled Hmm. it can be recycled but if you recycled it from your house since you're you know recycling bin it wouldn't it would go to landfill Hmm. that's a big problem you know till receipts post-it notes um you know you've got a plastic fork there that's a clean plastic fork so all of the stuff you have right there is actually recyclable but it isn't recyclable in your recycling bin Contamination is a big, big problem. And what that basically means is wrong stuff. When lots of contaminated loads of recycling are found, it sometimes ends up in the whole lorry of recycling, that whole sample itself being sent to a landfill or being incinerated. Um, it's, a, it's a massive issue. Yeah, so that's like the first process of what happens to recycling Mm. but there's also quite a lot of other stages that happens after that after the recycling um has been collected from either either your house um or school or wherever it's been collected from so there's three main processes collection sorting and reprocessing so obviously we've just spoke at we've just spoke about collection um which is the first process. Um, And it's really important at this stage to remember that you're putting the right waste in the correct bin, otherwise it might not be taken at the collection stage. Um, After the rubbish has been collected and then it is taken to what's called a materials recovery facility, when the rubbish arrives at the centre, it is first weighed in what's called a scale house, um, which weighs the truck and the materials together. They then subtract the weight of the truck to determine how much waste is entering the facility. Once weighed, the truck empties the waste onto the tipping floor. 
Then the waste is hoisted onto a main feed conveyor belt where it begins its journey through the facility centre. After this, the waste is then sorted where workers will remove any sharp objects, um, anything that's entered the bin, such as like um, sharp tools, things like that. So, yeah, so after that process of safety, making sure everything works properly, um, what happens is, is it all gets stacked in bales, ready to be loaded onto, onto trucks, and there you go. But obviously with everything else, you know, you have to look properly at the process, and that's where it gets complicated. So, paper and cardboard and other stuff um, gets sent to mills, glass gets washed, reused, or smashed. Plastic and metal can get melted, food or anything else can be burnt or sent to a landfill. Now... Half of all paper and cardboard and two-thirds of plastics are loaded onto container ships to be sent to Europe or Asia for recycling. So a lot of what the UK does is it exports this recycling. So it will get treated in the plant in the UK, made into square bales to be used by other countries to make new products. That all sounds good, but sometimes people say that it can sort of end up in the same place where it started. Um, but why does this happen? Yeah, that is a, is a major problem. So we see that roughly two, two-thirds of plastic waste, let's say, two-thirds of that in the UK is actually sent overseas. And that's in part to reduce costs. So in, in England, the amount of um, waste collected by local authorities that is sent to a landfill. So yeah, as we said, contamination, that's a big problem. If it doesn't get contaminated, um, paper and cardboard get sent to mills, metal gets cut down to be recycled, and some of this gets sent abroad. This is mainly to reduce costs, and we see that roughly two-thirds of plastic waste is sent abroad. And you think, well, that's fine if these countries are buying it, you know, whatever. But it's not always that easy, especially with plastic. So, according to Plastics Europe, of the 29 million tonnes of plastic collected in the EU in 2018, less than a third of that was actually recycled. In fact, a quarter went to landfills, and about 43% of it was burned in incineration plants. Is that stuff actually being recycled, being repurposed? Because we send it abroad to reduce costs. So a massive problem is actually the UK dumping waste, dumping this recycling on other countries. And half of the plastic waste that the UK government counts as recycling is actually sent overseas for other countries to deal with. And that's according to Greenpeace. They highlighted that more than 50% of the UK's plastic waste was being shipped to Turkey and Malaysia, and that was a report from this year. Now, it's actually illegal to export plastic waste from the UK unless it's destined to be recycled or incinerated in an energy-friendly you know, way, as can be. Now, the government counts all the exported plastic that we, we send overseas as being recycled, but... Investigations by media and environmental organisations such as Greenpeace have actually shown that it doesn't all get recycled. 
For example, in Turkey, in June 2020, the BBC discovered that plastic waste was being dis- dumped by the roadside and burned in southeast Turkey. In 2021, Greenpeace um, investigations uncovered um, more evidence of British plastic waste being dumped and burned at illegal rubbish tips across um, a certain prov- um, province. In Malaysia, Greenpeace investigations also showed that British waste was being dumped and burned at these illegal dumps. Um, in that, they found local authority bags from London and they found fairy dishwasher tablets, flora butter packaging, Heinz baked beans cans. It just shows that, you know, they talk about all this recycling process, but there's so much that you know, because I'm behind the scenes that people, you know, unless they looked into it, mm-hmm. they wouldn't know. Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of corruption. And, you know, governments are aware of this. In 2020, the Malaysian environmental minister said that if people want to see them as the rubbish dump of the world, that you can dream on, you know, they are getting really tough on this. So I know there's um, a policy that came out in China, I think, in 2017. Um, I think it's called the National Sword Policy. Um, where I think it was China banned the um, use of plastics. Oh yeah, yeah, and and what what so what happened is is um, that was where the UK heavily relied on on China to take our unwanted plastic packaging, and apparently it was going to be recycled over there. But um, around three years ago, um, they was exporting half a million tons of plastic to China and Hong Kong. And that actually accounted for almost two-thirds of all plastic sent abroad. So it was a lot of plastic being being sent to China. Um, and they said that they're going to upgrade their industries, and, and they stopped it more or less. Um, and the UK recycling industry at the time warned that the decision would be a game-changer, and that it would actually be a struggle to deal with the country's waste. Now what we see is it isn't sent to china it's mostly sent to malaysia turkey poland indonesia and the netherlands and some of it ends up um being burned so yeah there are many factors um that can impact where recycling actually actually ends up um for example with plastics which is a lot of what recycling is made out of, it's how many types of plastic does that individual item contain how dirty is that item what is the reputation of the waste handler that that recycling is being sent to? Because if the quality is good enough, it's repurposed. If it's not, it's often sent to, to landfill or to be incinerated. Um, if they're brought via uh, um, unethical reprocessors in countries where environmental laws are, let's say, lax, this can sometimes be dumped and incinerated waste can end up in the local environment, contaminating rivers and making its way to the sea. And that's why, as you, you say, Saskia, that um, China actually sort of stopped this because it found that half of all plastic pollution carried from the rivers to the ocean actually came from a place in China called Yangtze, if I'm, if I'm protecting that correctly. So there we've just discussed about the national sword policy in China. But Ed, how can we make sure that recycling is actually recycled and not just sent to landfill? So uh, one of the main things is that, we're, that we've been talking about through the whole, thi- through the, uh, whole podcast so far has been uh, 
effectively the problem with contamination, uh, the, one of the serious serial problems when it comes to any form of processing plastics or just other types of recyclables, is the simple fact that like they aren't up to code, they aren't put, they aren't gathered correctly, they've got non-recyclable materials attached to them, anything of that sort. So one of the main problems with uh, international uh, repurposing of plastics and recycling them is the uh, issue of the fact that again, like they aren't properly decontaminated, they aren't properly detached from one another in a way the way we can recycle the individual materials. This has gotten to the point where the UNEP, that's the United Nations Environment Programme, have uh, recorded that only about 9% of the plastic waste that we've ever produced since the uh, 1950s where it entered common circulation has been recycled, and with another 12% being incinerated, the rest of that has gone into landfills. Now, this means that at the moment, with this being a relatively new problem when it comes to the public's attention for it, the problem with like this sort of international issue of uh, just sort of waste being moved around to different countries without it being properly disposed of comes a lot from very simple things like the majority of the countries that are being sent to not having the proper equipment to actually dispose of it, not having the proper machinery or the proper means, and of course with what we've been discussing so far, that being problems with things like contamination, there being non-recyclable materials attached to these things that would normally be recycled, them not being properly sorted, and this all comes down to a number of things, the main thing being that there isn't a proper course of legislation or policy. Uh, there not being enough sort of legislation or policy to properly say what should be and should should and shouldn't be exported and to which countries it can go to. Now, there are a number of things that governments can do from running public awareness campaigns to make sure that this is sort of recycled correctly into the right sort of bins on the public level to offering incentives to various businesses for them to better organize it themselves or introducing levies or even banning certain products outright in their production and usage so that they don't even meet the recycling stage and don't become a problem later down the line. In the last decade, uh, dozens of national and local governments around the world have actually been doing this and have adopted this policy to drop the reuse of disposable plastic. I believe that was sort of part of the national sword policy that you mentioned from China. And those numbers continue to go. I believe there was a sort of large agreement around South Africa. They had their plastics pact that was launched in January 2020. That in So South Africa has introduced a plastics pact that was uh, introduced in January 2020, which was effectively a sort of local, um, in terms of on a national level, there's several countries led by South Africa around them effectively to cut down on their production of disposable plastics, effectively to remove the problem at its source because of the, all these issues that we have with recycling and the fact that it is so hard to even legislate for it. Effectively, instead of trying to trim the weed while it's coming out, you're just pulling it out by the roots and saying to stop the production of plastics altogether, which is one of the main solutions that we've sort of come down to. With the realisation of the difficulties around recycling plastics, a great many organisations are just campaigning for stopping the production of plastics at all in formats where they're going to be disposed of at some point. And as part of this, this solution that you're, you're talking about, the, the fact of the matter is, is that plastics is actually... A, a big part of the actual problem. That's what causes the contamination. That's what often ends up being illegally burnt, illegally incinerated. Exactly. The paper, the cardboard, the other stuff actually often does end up being recycled because it can be in the UK. But the plastic waste is what we just give away to other countries. So the United Nations Environment Programme actually reported that since, 19, since the 1950s when plastic sort of really hit the uh, urban market, 
um, we've seen around 60% of plastics have either ended up in that landfill or the environment, with only about 9% being properly recycled. And that's with literally billions of tons of plastic over that period of time being left out, and plastic doesn't biodegrade very quickly, so you've got sort of decades-old materials that have effectively just been left in the environment to rot for an extended period, so we've been polluting the environment for such a long period of time with this particular issue, with plastics being a part of this non-recyclable cycle, that we've got a lot of catching up to do in fixing the problem. So, Ed, you mentioned all them points there, but have you seen any progress that has been made recently? Well, I think that the, the, there has obviously been progress. For example, um, in England, we've seen the amount of local authority uh, collected waste that is sent to landfill reduced by over 90% since 2001. But of course, you've got to consider that this is, I'm not going to say a new issue, because it is something that's obviously been ongoing. You know, I said it was started, it started in, the, in the 1950s a minute ago. A big problem with it is that it's only sort of recently reached a point of public awareness, a point where the, where governments around the world are actually sort of actively trying to do something about it over a very sort of recent period and relative relative to everything else. And that means that we've sort of seen a lot of action, but only recently. So whether we can actually draw out meaningful, long-standing conclusions to whether it's actually helping or not is difficult to say, because, you know, that's a, that's an impressive thing to say in local authorities, 90% of landfill has been cut down. But what's happening with the stuff that's going into that, those landfills? Like, or, or that would be going into those landfills normally? Is it going somewhere else? Is it the stuff that's been exported into those other areas? And the answer to those questions is stuff that I don't know. Yeah, I think it's it, it, it's a massive problem. And I think it's normally we say landfill, but I think we have to focus on actually what that actually means. You know, stuff in landfills doesn't decompose like it actually would in nature. There's no light, no water, no air. Those materials don't decompose. You know, like we often say, oh, you know, that plastic bag would take this many years to decompose in the soil. In a landfill, you've just got piles and piles and piles of rubbish entombed there for years. You know, some pla- some items, you know, like, like plastics, they haven't even started to degrade you know, and it, it will take hundreds and hundreds of years for mi- much of this stuff to break down. And you think, okay, yeah, that's what I expect, you know, a landfill is rubbish in the ground. But that isn't just the problem. The problem is that organic materials like food and, you know, waste that, you know, you probably keep in your garden and that kind of stuff. When that breaks down in landfills, it emits methane gas. Methane gas is 20% more harmful to the planet than CO2. I think sometimes we we don't realise the amount of destruction we are causing. Landfills, it's not just a problem of, you know, burying our waste. It's it's a ticking time bomb and actually affecting other issues yeah, climate in, change. in climate. So there's sort of like this long-running idea, or rather the common misconception in the public, that plastics can be recycled or that they are recyclable in general terms. And the very simple answer is that while they can certainly be reused and repurposed, actually recycling them is an extremely difficult measure because of the way plastics are made. They're not like a one-size-fits-all thing where they all biodegrade in the same Mm -hmm. way they all can be repurposed chemically in the same way because plastics are synthetic materials. They are made to different materials. They are made to different standards depending on who's producing them, where they're produced. All these different things come together. And this idea that plastics can be recycled or that you can sort of 
or that they're acceptable because they can be reused, is effectively something that has been manufactured and pushed predominantly by plastic companies. The people who produce this stuff because they don't want the idea these they don't want the public to catch onto the idea that hang on plastics are not only horrifically harmful for the environment they are also harmful in a way that we can't really counteract because then nobody would buy their products. After your last point, Ed, where you mentioned, you know, plastic companies aren't clocking on. Hmm. Do you think people are? realizing now how harmful it can actually be though well yes definitely i think i mean you know just in researching all this stuff it's like all of the major sources i've come across when it comes to people talking about the solutions to these issues are they've all been posted in like the last five or six years tops which i think says a lot because if this had been something that had been in the public's eye for 20 or 30 years you'd have seen massive change around it because it's not like it's not like say um climate change where we've only really sort of gotten a hard evidence for it in the last 20 years or so it's very much sort of uh, an issue that we that we have known about in terms of its actual harmful effects for a very long time but like the misinformation about whether we can successfully counter those effects has also been around for just as long and that's gotten into the public eye just as strong strongly it's like you know anybody can put together that you know leaving a bunch of plastics that don't degrade properly in the environment isn't great for the environment but the idea that you that we can avoid that by just sort of neatly putting it all into the right sort of plastic disposal area is great because it means that people can just sort of easily roll their eyes and ignore the problem because they don't think there is a problem because they think the problem's already been solved i think that's the thing as well just to add on that i think it's down to a lack of regulation and oversight that that can actually be illegally traded and, you know, illegally dumped. You know, Interpol um, recently did a massive um, report on all of this and it basically said that most of this isn't planned crime. It's, you know, not massive syndicates or cabals. It's actually opportunistic crime. It's making a quick book because we just ship it off and in fact the UK just merrily counts plastic waste um shipped overseas as being recycled even though some technologies for recycling certain mixed plastic ab- abroad some of that technology isn't abroad so even though we ship export this plastic to be recycled some of these countries that we knowingly export this plastic to don't actually to actually recycle that plastic. So it's it's this sort of like sizable outstanding problem where effectively there is a lack of knowledge on the public level and on a sort of more higher up level there is just a complete lack of will to do anything about it. That I'd say predominantly comes from just a sheer lack of public knowledge. I mean, uh, this is a bit detached from what you were saying, but like there was a survey that I came across which effectively said that around 80% of people say that they are confused as to where the hell they're even supposed to put most recycling mm. elements, because it's like, obviously, you've got like loads of different recycling types. And most people are confused as to which one goes into what, because it's sort of defined along very loose lines, like household items, garden items, sort of all that sort of stuff, with 99% of people having admitted to either making a, either making a mistake in something that they later became aware of, or just not bothering to put it in the right place. So I think that, primarily speaking, when it comes to solutions to these issues, we're not at a stage where we can really talk, sort of hard-hitting, clean up this bit of the environment, snitch this bit of the industry, cover this bit up. 
solutions. We're still at the raise awareness so that the public knows what the hell they're doing wrong stage of solutions. And I think some of that comes down to, to companies. Um, the Mindaroo Foundation's Plastic Waste Makers Index Report, which is basically an index on, you know, producers of waste globally and companies that make the most waste. So that report found that the UK is the fourth largest producer of plastic waste per capita globally. It identified the top 20 companies driving that plastic production and the banks financing them. Hmm. Now, a solution would be, Saskia, would be saying, look, a lot of you are responsible for producing plastic that is really hard to recycle. But it's very hard for you to produce, isn't it? It's very easy. You know, it's very easy for you to produce and it's very easy for you to make a profit. So, can't we hold them to account? Yeah, I think there's a lot of questions that need to be asked to, um, you know, these certain companies, but the government just aren't asking them these, mm. you know, these these questions. Well, I, th- I think it all comes back to what you said a little while ago, Dylan, about how, how much um, what the government's saying was being recycled just from them exporting it. Well, how much is actually recycled in the end? Oh, no, how, how much are they saying is being recycled that's just being exported? Oh, Oh, no, so the official stance is, despite all these investigations and reports and acknowledgements within parliamentary reports that there's problems with waste ending up being burned, the official stance is that all waste that has been exported to other countries has, in fact, been recycled. So when you think about that, it probably makes up a huge proportion of the waste that we recycle as a country that is just being exported and we're saying, yeah, that's been recycled, no problem. Even though it's probably just been being burned on the side of the road in Turkey. And then you've got to sort of picture the fact that who wants to be the politician that has to come out to the public and say, hey guys, you know that sort of thing that we've been doing for years and that you're very used to where you're sort of saying throw it in the recycle bin, it'll be fine, it's good for the environment. We're kind of wrong about that and we've been doing it wrong for decades and covering it up. It's like there is not a government or party in the world that would be willing to make that admission. So, again, it is coming into the simple fact that we are at the stage where, in finding solutions to this problem, we first have to raise awareness for it, actually get people to realise that there is a problem, and then, more importantly, hold the people who are responsible to account very publicly so that they're forced to admit it. Oh, no, definitely. So, exactly what... A statistic that shows exactly your point of mind is by the British is by the British Plastics Federation. They est- estimate that forty six percent of plastic waste, yeah, because as we said, plastic is a massive part of the problem. It's the plastic in the recycling that is the problem. So forty six percent of the UK's plastic waste overall is um incinerated, it's burned. Seventeen percent of that goes to landfill. 10% of that is recycled in the UK and 19% is exported. So we're basically saying, yeah, that 19% of our waste potentially is exported, yeah, but isn't being disposed of properly mm-hmm. in the way that it should be or the way that we're reporting it as. And what's the stance of the government, um, Saskia? Look, I think a few weeks ago I saw a report that Boris Johnson made a comment on recycling, didn't he? Um, Yes, he was at the he was at the COP twenty six summit, and he 
basically said that recycling plastic materials doesn't work and is not the answer to um, globe to threats of to threats of, no no yeah so recently at the um cop 26 summit uh, the prime minister boris johnson made a comment where he said recycling plastic materials doesn't work and um isn't the answer um he said that instead people should just cut down on their use of plastic now that's that's what we're all trying to do well i think anyone you know decent tries to use less plastic um and to be honest like you know we're talking about solutions here the private sector has been you know in some ways great the british you know private sector in actually reducing plastic like um mns has actually eliminated 100 percent of black plastic used to package its food contents and for anyone that doesn't know black black um plastic packaging yeah. is often not recyclable purely because of the fact that the machines can't scan it um little um has made its string range 50 percent uh recyclable now you might say that's only half of the material but that's you know still 50 percent um and i think to be honest we've got a long way in in being able to educate people mm. on what is recyclable as you and saskia have yeah, both w- said w- one of the principal things i've sort of uh, been bumping into and in looking at this whole problem is that people are saying that people desperately need to be educated and informed on the impact that they have even if it's something as simple as actually properly explaining what each bin that you're supposed to use mm-hmm. is doing oh no yeah a british science association survey found that 44 percent of people thought that soap pump dispenser tops were recyclable now if you says to me is that recyclable i'd think oh well the bottle is is the pump some bottles you're supposed to recycle them with the cap on some with the cap off now it tells you you know on most labels you know cap on cap off i don't know you know hmm. uh, you know sometimes i just think oh my god and you know you know it's something really easy but it's really difficult you know um and a lot of stuff actually gets wasted um 58 percent of people in that survey didn't know that you could recycle deodorant aerosol cans with the plastic cap on um you know surface cleaner bottles 57 percent of the population didn't know well in this survey 50 percent rather of the sample size in this survey didn't know that you could recycle empty spray bottles so you think about how many spray bottles you use a year in your house, especially, you know, after COVID. 50%, 57% of people surveyed didn't know that you could recycle them. What were they doing? They were going in the bin. Well, um, in response to what the Prime Minister said, um, I was reading an analysis report by um, an environmentalist. And he said that even though the Prime Minister's comments um, were careless they did have some truth in them um, he said that recycling is a soft option and um, there's more important things that we can be doing um, such as stopping flying or curbing emissions um, buying electric cars or giving up meat um, and he said it's far better to recycle a plastic bottle than to throw it away he says because recycling plastic isn't just helping a little to rein in climate change, it's also keeping waste out of the oceans, conserving energy and saving some of the Earth's precious resources. 
Definitely. And I think what you've said, Saskia, you, you think, okay, people need to do this. Um, we need to, you know, re- recycling, really, it's purely mitigation. We're mitigating the plastic that we've made, aren't we? Mm. we we're, we're making something that we can't fully get back, you know, the natural resource, blah, blah, blah. So um, it's a mitigation, really. Recycling, we think, oh, great. Because Actually reusing stuff is far better than, than recycling. Yeah, because you're, using, you're taxing our resources much less. Yeah. So I think the... The, the point is, like, Saskia, you know, Boris Johnson is, is saying that, you know, we've spoken about all of these solutions. But in fact, as we said, these companies are producing those plastics. As consumers, sometimes, you know, we can make choices. Sometimes, sometimes we can afford to go, you know, with a res- products wrapped in recycled material. Sometimes they're more expensive. Sometimes it's really difficult to make those decisions. Personally, I think that, companies should actually be made to come up with solutions themselves because they are the ones as i said earlier profiting off this and some some of them do think of really great solutions but others just hold away and say you know we're aiming for net zero as they shove and shove more plastic out into the world one thing that i've seen that i thought was fascinating was um loop so what that is it's a scheme where manufacturers such as PG, Nestle, Coca-Cola and Unilever, some of the you know biggest profiteers and manufacturers in the world, um, are using reusable packaging. So customers pay a small deposit um, for, for this item, for this packaging, um, and then they return them back either by courier or they're dropped off by the store. Um, and it basically means they, they are reused. So what will happen is, is let's say shampoo bottles, they're aluminium shampoo bottles. And what happens is, is you pay a deposit, a deposit, let's say 50p, you'll have your shampoo bottle, you'll send it back to the manufacturer, you'll get your 50p back, and then that same bottle will get cleaned out and sent out again. Now that's pretty much what we do with coffee cups, isn't it? Reusable coffee cups. You know, I think that's a great idea. You know, we do the same thing with shampoo bottles. Re- reusable things, not recycling. It's just another, um, you know, it's just another good way to sort of um, help the environment. Mm-hmm. Because I think it is sort of as you've, as you've implied that the ability to reuse things cuts down on the cost of recycling and is much more ap- applicable in the modern day with how much of the with the materials that we have to hand and everything that we've got and the way that our everyday life is structured oh no definitely and one more final thing with some of these what some of these companies are doing i found this fascinating um unilever is working on toothpaste tablets so these tablets they're more or less like let's say milton tablets if you've ever used them or let's say you know denture tablets you know to clean when you put them under water they dissolve and these tablets dissolve into toothpaste Hmm. because a lot of toothpaste actual you know tubes aren't recyclable the boxes are, but the tubes aren't because they're contaminated. Hmm. So, you know, if you say, oh, have a tablet, put it under water, and it dissolves in its paste, But what brilliant. are the tablets going to be packaged in? Wow, this is the problem, isn't it? At the COP26 summit, the Prime Minister criticised Coca-Cola for being one of the big corporations that are producing the biggest bulk of plastic. And Coca-Cola responded and said they're now making steady progress in effort to cut all waste. And they said that all smaller bottles in Great Britain were made from recycled plastic. Now, the thing is, that's great. But recycled plastic bottles, 
great. So you're, you, you know, it gets recycled and it's it, it's recycled plastic. But that recycled plastic bottle, when you put that back into the recycling, that plastic is degraded. You can only use recycled plastic so many times. You have to use virgin plastic. Mm. You know, this is what we sort of see in China. China only wanted for 99% of plastic to be virgin if it was to be imported. You know, recycling, pl- recycled plastic is great. You know, using it again. But we need to stop doing it. We need to stop producing plastic all the ho- on the yeah. whole. Which, which brings us back to the Coca-Cola thing, because plastic mainly became such a major thing that it is today and such a large part in many products. But plastic was effectively brought into common use because it was initially trendy. It was this new age material. It was exciting. It was actually seen initially as being good for the environment because oh, yeah. it did didn't use any natural materials. And that meant that, you know, you had companies like Coca-Cola would introduce plastic bottles and things like that, when previously, if you roll back the clock by 40, 50 years, they were using glass bottles and they were using tin cans, which they still use today, but like they were using them more sort of prolifically. And if you were to just sort of bring back that sort of policy, although it would cut into Coca-Cola's bottom line by a bit, I imagine, not something that's any skin off my back. It would solve their sort of product, com- their contribution to this problem. So, according to the World Wildlife Foundation, producing glass from recycled materials, recycled glass. So, basically, when you produce glass from recycled materials, it actually reduces air pollution by twenty percent, related, of course, and related water pollution by fifty percent. So, glass recycling. It's really sustainable. My co-host Saskia, she loves Coca-Cola in glass bottles, don't you? Yeah, I think Coke tastes different in a plastic I'm not going to lie, it just looks classier. Yeah, it does. I think it tastes different. So according to Coca-Cola's website, um, they're focusing on two areas. First one is making their packaging sustainable as possible and using advertising to encourage more people to recycle. And the second point, they're calling for a reform of the UK recycling system and are supporting any new interventions that increase recovery and recycling rates, including deposit return schemes for soft drinks packaging. Okay, so that wraps up this episode on recycling. In the next episode, we will be talking about littering.